with us. He sends us out on the mission, but then he partners with us and he accomplishes the mission with us. It's a co-mission. It's your individual specific mission. It's the church collectively. It's Gateway's mission. It's Vine Church's mission. It's the body, the family of Jesus's mission. And it's his mission. We're all in it together. Matthew chapter 28. If you do have your Bibles, you can open them up there. It will be on the screen behind me as well. Verse 18. Jesus came and told his disciples, I have been given all authority in heaven and on earth. Therefore, go. Go and make disciples. That's our mission. Our mission is to go and make disciples of all the nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. Teach these new disciples to obey all the commands I have given you. And be sure of this. I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Jesus said, here's the mission. Go and make disciples. Baptize them. See, water baptism is something that we're going to do today at the end of service. Water baptism is a public declaration of something that has gone on inside your heart. It's publicly declaring that I am brand new in Jesus. When we're up above the water, that represents our old life. And then when we go under the water, we're immersed and we come out. It's saying that my insides have been washed clean and now I'm a fresh and new person. And then you do it publicly to declare to everyone around, I'm making this commitment to Jesus. I know there's some people ready to get baptized today. But I just want to throw it out there. If you came today and through the message today, through our talking, through God working, through the Holy Spirit in here, if you feel impressed to be baptized in water, Gabriel says he's got everything you need. they got shorts and shirts and everything you could need if you want to take that step today. So as we're talking, I want you to be thinking about that. Because baptism is a command from Jesus. It's something that we do once we've chosen to follow him. All right. Our mission is to go and make disciples. To see them baptized. And then he says to teach them to obey all the commands of Jesus. See, it's not just to see people saved and baptized, but it's also to teach them to obey all the commands of Jesus. Our mission is to see every person possible know Jesus intimately. Know how to follow him every single day through the ups and downs of life. To know all that he is and all that he does and all that he has For every single one of us. See, it's a collective mission. It's the mission of the family of God. And so many times as followers of Jesus, we think of this mission as just a collective mission. It's something that my church does. It's something that the the global church does. And we think of it more as a collective mission than a personal mission. And it's really easy to think of it as a collective mission. Because if it's not my personal mission, then I don't have to invest too much time and energy into it. Because someone else is going to do it. We're going to all do it together. But when I think about it as my personal mission from Jesus is to go and make disciples, it changes my perspective. John chapter 20, Jesus was speaking to his disciples again. Look at this. He says, peace be with you. Think about this statement. As the Father has sent me, I am sending you. He equates us being sent on this mission to him being sent on his mission from the Father. As the Father sent me, I am sending you. And with that, he breathed on them and said, receive the Holy Spirit. See, Jesus is the one who sends us. If you are a follower of Jesus, it's time for you to start thinking about yourself as a sent one. I'm sent. 
If I follow Jesus, I am sent. I'm sent out on this mission. Uh, the Headley family, we're sports people. Uh, we like sports. You know, I played sports. All of our kids play sports. Uh, we get really into sports, you know, sometimes maybe a little too into sports. And it's normal for us to be in the house watching our favorite team. It's normal for dad to be, you know, cheering on the players in such a loud volume, thinking that they can hear me, right? You know, because they can't. They can hear me. When I talk, the people in the TV, that the game that was recorded four hours ago, they can still hear me uh, tell them what to do. And the refs, they can definitely hear me tell them what not to do. Uh, but we're sports people, and we can get loud. You know, it's not uncommon for us to be on the sidelines of our uh, kids' sports games and to be yelling and everyone to be looking like, oh, yeah, your kid's out there. Yes, that's my kid right there. And uh, he's doing a good job, and I'm celebrating him. But our volume in our house with sports is nothing compared to my dad. My dad is from Alabama, and he is a diehard Alabama fan. I'm sorry to those of you who are not Alabama fans. It's okay. You might see the light one day. You might not. Who knows? But uh, he's a diehard Alabama fan. A little while back, there's an Alabama game going on. And my dad, when he yells, when he gets excited, the whole house shakes. Everybody knows what's going on. Four streets over knows what's happening in the house. And one of my sons comes up to me and he's like, Dad, Grandpa Greg is so loud when he watches those games. Why? Like, why is it so loud? And I was like, I don't know. Makes no sense to me. But he, he just is. I mean, what can I say? We, we, we are fans. I was raised to be a fan. And the truth is, it's really easy to be a fan. It's easy to be a fan, right? I get to tune in and tune out whenever I want to. I'm not invested like a player or a coach. I don't go to practice. I don't put any of the hard work in. I don't potentially lose my job if my team doesn't do well. Listen, this year, my team suffered a loss in the national championship. The next morning I woke up, I was just fine. I didn't really care. I was like, all right, it's over. It's done. My life was still good. I'm not invested the way a player and a coach is. I begin to think about this idea of being a fan. There's nothing wrong with being a sports fan. But when I think about my faith, there's been times in my life where I've been a fan of my faith. It's easy to be a fan. I'm not invested, right? I just tune in and tune out. It's all about my experience. Being a fan of my sport team is all about me and my experience. The joy. I I love to celebrate when we do well. And then when we don't do well, I mean, I know others take it hard. Personally, I don't really care that much. I'm like, ah, we didn't do well. My life's still fine. Now, when my kids, their teams lose, it's a little more difficult, you know. It hits a little harder. But when I think about my faith... And I apply this idea of being a fan, it becomes very problematic. If you're taking notes, you can write this down. Jesus didn't invite us to be fans of the mission. He invites us to be followers who are learning how to be on the mission. We read in Matthew 28, he says, go and make disciples. Right? We read in John 20, I am sending you. He didn't invite us to be fans He invites us to be followers living on this mission. Jesus invited people to become followers who would learn how to live for a greater purpose than themselves. To live on his mission. Matthew chapter 4. I know you guys have been in Matthew uh, 5 and uh, 6 and 7, I believe, the Sermon on the Mount. Right before the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus is sitting, uh, or I mean, he's, uh, he's walking one day. 
And this is right when he begins to call the first disciples. And what we're going to see here is kind of this recipe for what it looks like to really be a follower, a disciple of Jesus who's living on mission. Jesus gave us a very uh, simple explanation of what it means to be a follower of him. Verse 18, one day as Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee, he saw two brothers, Simon, also called Peter, and Andrew, throwing a net into the water for they fished for a living. Jesus called out to them. Listen to this. Come, follow me, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they let their nets down at once and followed him. You can go back to that previous slide. Or I think it may be the next one. We categorize it. There's three things here Jesus says. He says, follow me. I will show you how to fish for people. A disciple of Jesus is a follower of Jesus, not a fan of Jesus. Not someone who's just excited that Jesus exists, excited that Jesus died on the cross, but someone who is actively following Jesus. A disciple is someone who is being taught by Jesus how to live. He says, and I will show you how to fish for people. A disciple is a follower of Jesus who's being taught by Jesus and who's living on the mission of Jesus. He says, I will show you how to fish for people. See, Jesus had a mission when he came to this earth and his mission was people. The mission of Jesus was all about people. It's never about buildings. It's never about budgets. It's all about people. The mission of Jesus is about people. So this first part, it says, follow. You know, one of the biggest challenges of our modern 21st century church is how easy and subtly we just become fans of Jesus rather than followers of Jesus, being transformed by his spirit to live on his mission. Over time, if we're not careful, this gathering, this gathering of the church, whether it be at Vine, whether it be here, whether it be at any of the churches in Trustful or all over the world, over time, if we're not careful, this gathering of the church, what we do in our weekly services, has the potential to become just a big group of Jesus fans who get together once a week and cheer on Jesus. We can get together, check that box, we went to church not really allow his Holy Spirit to transform us, not really follow him, not really allow the Holy Spirit to teach us how to follow him and how to live on his mission. This past week, uh, I was in San Antonio, Texas uh, for work. Uh, I also work full-time outside the church uh, at the moment, so I was on a work trip there, and a whole bunch of people, we had flown in from all over the country uh, to be together for this training period. And at one point in time, we're all going out to dinner uh, one night, and I haven't been to San Antonio, Texas since I was a little kid. Definitely not since I was driving. Uh, And uh, we were all going to a a restaurant. And my boss said, hey, everybody just hop in. We'll caravan over. Just follow me to the restaurant. And uh, and then I'll lead you the way there. And they told us which restaurant it was. But I didn't really put it in my GPS. He said, follow him. I figured everything will be fine. I'll just follow him. So uh, we're exiting the, 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 com- the work complex, and we're about to get on the highway, and it's just traffic time. People are coming real fast, and he kind of inches out there and kind of waits, you know, so tries to wait for a big opening. He sees what he thinks is a large opening. He goes out there, and then right away it becomes apparent that we're not all going to make it. Like, we're not all going to make the turn. But uh, I'm in a rental car, one, so I don't care about the car that much. Uh, And two, I don't have the GPS. And I kind of forgot where he said we were going to eat. So I was committed to really staying close and following him. So I floor it. And I get out there right on his, you know, right on the bottom of his truck. uh, And then he goes to cut over. And his other car is flying by. And I just cut him off. Because I'm like, listen, if I don't follow my boss, I'm never going to figure out where we're going. 
I'm not going to have a clue. He said, follow him. And I got to make sure he's in front. Now, others, they weren't so quick. Uh, they made it to the restaurant. Just took them a little bit longer. They had to pull over and pull out their GPS and figure out where to go. Thankfully, they had listened to what restaurant we were at. But I was going to stay really, really close. Because here's the thing about following someone. If they're not in front, you're no longer following them. It sounds so simple. But how many times in life, Jesus becomes this side addition to our life. Instead of saying, Jesus, you are in front and I'm just going to follow you wherever you go. You just, you go, and then I'm going to follow you. And man, how many times, I don't know about you, but I've, so many times I've gone into prayer, and I'm like, I want to do this, God, and I want to do this, and I want to do this, God, let's go do this. And rarely do I think, do you want me to do all that? I just think like, man, this all sounds really, really good. Let's go. But if Jesus is not in front, and he's beside or behind, I'm not living on his mission. I'm living on my mission. If I'm the one in front, then it's my mission, not his. And there's been a lot of, you know, good things done in, in, in the name of Jesus that were really people living for their own mission. But Jesus says, being a follower of Jesus is placing him in front and following where he goes, following where he leads. See, the thing is, is we have all been sent from God to the people in our lives whom we can influence. God does not want us to influence people that we can't influence. He wants us to influence people that we can influence. He's placed people in our lives, and we are to represent him to those people. Uh, there's a book that I love called Wild Goose Chase, and it's written by a pastor named Mark Batterson. And uh, he talks about following the Holy Spirit. Uh, it's called Wild Goose Chase because the Celtic word for Holy Spirit is kind of the word for wild goose. It's this idea of like following the Holy Spirit's leading in our life uh, is going to be exciting. It's going to be adventurous. It's going to take you places you never thought you'd be. It's going to be all over the place. And the Holy Spirit has a purpose, but a lot of times we don't see that purpose. But I love how he uh, categorizes what we've often done in the 21st century church uh, that's created unintentional caged Christians. So uh, he begins to talk about how he went to the Galapagos Islands and he saw all these, you know, uh, creatures in their natural habitat. He saw birds flying. He saw animals and fish and all kinds of things that he had never even heard of, never seen before. And then he travels back home and he takes his kids to the zoo. And he says, at one point, we were walking through the ape house here at the zoo. And he said, I had this thought as I looked through the protective plexiglass window at a 400-pound gorilla. I wonder if churches do to people what zoos do to animals. He, says, I, and he goes on, I love the church. I believe the church. And I'm not saying that the way the church cages people is intentional. But too often, we take people out of their natural habitat and try to take them or try to tame them in the name of Christ. We try to remove the danger. We try to remove the risk. We try to remove the struggle. And what we end up with is a caged Christian. Sure, the tamed part of us grows accustomed to the safety of the cage. But the untamed part, the adventurous part of us longs for some danger, some challenge, some adventure. The cage opens when we recognize that Jesus didn't die on the cross to keep us safe. Jesus died on the cross to make us dangerous. 
praying for protection is fine. He says, he says he prays for protection all the time for him and his three children. But when was the last time you asked God to make you dangerous? When was the last time you asked God to make you dangerous? God, make me dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. He says, I would like to think that whenever I pronounce the benediction, that's the prayer at the end of a service. He says, I would like to think when I pronounce the prayer at the end of the service that I'm sending dangerous people back into their natural habitat to wreak havoc on the enemy. There's a few things here I want to talk about and unpack here. So much of our lives are spent thinking that this building is our natural habitat. But he says, no, no, no. Our natural habitat is everyday life. This is the place where we come to worship, to get encouraged, to, to, to learn, to grow, to be transformed so that we can go back into our natural habitat and be dangerous to the kingdom of darkness. So how do we do this? How do we live on the mission of Jesus? How do we partner with Jesus and live on his mission? Number one is we're to be led by the Spirit. We're to be led by the Spirit. When we choose to follow Jesus, his Holy Spirit comes to live inside us. Jesus said the Holy Spirit will be in you and he is with you. Following Jesus is an invitation to allow the Holy Spirit to transform us, to mold us and shape us, but also to guide us. See, the Holy Spirit is God's gift to us, to lead us into all truth. Amazing and extraordinary things happen in our lives when we follow the Spirit's leading. But following the leading of the Holy Spirit very often involves us being uncomfortable. And a lot of times we just don't like to be uncomfortable. A lot of American culture and American society is geared towards our comforts and to make us more and more comfortable. The church has adopted this mindset that we've thought, well, it's about making people comfortable. Jesus didn't die on the cross so we could be comfortable. As we look at the men and the women of Scripture, we don't see a bunch of people making choices to be safe and comfortable, but to be brave, to be courageous to be uncomfortable. Choosing to live on mission for Jesus, to be led by the Spirit, is a decision to be uncomfortable. Now, we hear this term, be led by the Spirit. And sometimes uh, because of uh, you know, uh, ignorance, because of past experience, because of whatever, we, we think this is really this big and daunting task. Like, I have to hear this audible word from God, and I have to go and do this, and that's what it means to be led by the Spirit. I love what Pastor Dave Ferguson said. He says, being led by the Spirit is simply hearing God and obeying what he says. Hearing God and obeying what he says. How do we hear God? We hear God through Scripture. Reading Scripture is hearing God. We hear God through messages in, you know, in family environments, church environments. Hearing God can be hearing it from a spouse or a friend. Hearing God comes in prayer. There's all kinds of ways for us to hear the voice of God. Being led by the Spirit is simply hearing God and obeying what He says. It's not as complicated as we make it. We're led by the Spirit by listening to His voice. It means we're available. But also being led by the Spirit means that we're open to His leading or we're interruptible. Meaning that we allow ourselves to be interrupted by the leading of the Holy Spirit. Now, for me, I, I can get pretty task-driven, uh, especially when there's a lot going on. Uh, I make task lists. Anybody else, you love your to-do list? All right, let me see a show of hands, all right? All the people who love to-do lists, all right. We're, let's stick together. Because all the people that just go willy-nilly, you know, they can do that and have a lot of fun, but we're going to make sure things get done. Uh, but I, got, I like my lists, and I can get very task-oriented, very task-focused. Uh, this was highlighted a couple years back. 
I was meeting with someone at a Starbucks at a local coffee shop. And I enter the door and immediately when I enter the door, I'm, you know, my eyes are open to find this person. I'm looking for the person I'm meeting. I got an agenda. We're going to meet. It's at this time. Uh, I'm going to find that person. I'm going to sit down. And so I'm looking all around and I see them in the back of the coffee shop and I just immediately make my way over to them. I smile and it's like, Hey, how's it going? And I sit down and immediately this buddy of mine, he goes, do you not like those people? I was like, what people? He's like, the people at the front of the Starbucks. I was like, what do you mean? He says, they've been calling your name ever since you walked in the door. I was like, what? He's like, yeah, they've literally been saying, Nathan, like, Nathan, Nathan. I was like, I didn't even hear him. And he goes, I was like, no, I love them. They actually both work for me. Like, that's my staff calling my name. And he was like, oh, so I go over and say hi to them. I was so focused on my task. I was so consumed by my own world that I was not interruptible by people grasping for my attention. Are there people grasping for the attention that you have to offer them through the love of Jesus, but because you're so consumed in your own thoughts, your own world, your own tasks, you're not allowing yourself to be interrupted. So I stopped and I went and hung out with them for a few minutes. And I told him, I was like, hey, I'm going to go. Obviously, I made a mistake. So I'm going to go hang out with them for a minute. And he's like, oh, yeah, no big deal. I'm not in a rush. I go and hang out with them. I allowed myself to be interrupted and came back and we had a decent you know, conversation. Everything was fine. Sometimes we get so focused on our task that the Holy Spirit says, hey, pull over and text that person. The Holy Spirit says, make that call. Send that Facebook message. Holy Spirit says, that person that, that sits next to you, see if, they're, if they have a lunch plans today. See if you can take them out to coffee. That family that you're hanging out with, you know, at the, at the soccer game or the baseball game. And the Holy Spirit says, why don't you invite them out to dinner? But no, 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 we can't. We got, we got stuff. We got to do this. We got to do, I got to get ready for tomorrow. I, are we interruptible? Living on the mission of Jesus is saying, okay, Holy Spirit, I will be led by you. I'm open to your leading. Whatever you say, whenever you say it, I'm going to trust that everything else I have to get done is going to work out if I allow myself to be interrupted by you. Being led by the Spirit is being available for His voice, being open to His leading, being interruptible, and then simply being obedient. Number two, how do we live on the mission of Jesus? We represent Jesus where you are and where you can go. Where you are and where you can go. If this is a personal mission, right? not just collective mission, but it's an individual mission given to you by God, then he's placed you in your neighborhood. He's placed you in your school. He's placed you in your workplace. And he will use your current location to further his mission, further his kingdom. So we're to represent Jesus where you are and where you can go. This doesn't mean you have to be perfect all the time, but it means that looking at the spaces that we are in, the places where we live, where we work, and where we play, as mission fields. Oftentimes, you know, in church, they say, well, I'm going to go on a mission trip. And when we say, I'm going to go on a mission trip, what do we mean? It means I'm going to leave where I live and go somewhere else to tell people about Jesus. What if every day when you walked out the front door, you said, I'm going on a mission trip. This is my mission field, and I'm going on a mission trip right now. Second Corinthians chapter 5, verse 20. Look at what Paul says. He says, we are Christ's ambassadors. You know what an ambassador is? It's the highest ranking diplomat that represents the country. Right? The U.S. ambassador to a different country is the highest ranking diplomat representing the United States. It says, you are Christ's ambassadors. You are the highest ranking diplomat representing Jesus. God is making his appeal through us. 
We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. I'm going to represent Jesus where you are and where you can go. You might be thinking this morning, I, I don't know if I can do that. Like, I'm not an extrovert. I, I, I'm not this. I'm not that. I can't speak well. I don't sing. I don't do this. For so long, we've elevated some you know, natural giftings and overlooked others. You were created unique with a unique purpose to reach the people in your life. And God will use your talents, your abilities, whatever they are, to reach the people around you. You might just have the gift of kindness and God will use the gift of kindness to reach people. You might have the gift of serving and you just serve someone so well that they see Jesus through you. You might have the gift of teaching or speaking or whatever it may be. We all, sometimes we think, well, I'm not this or I'm not that, but we are wired in a unique way for a unique purpose. We, we lived in Colorado for a, for a while. Uh, we were youth pastors and associate pastors of a church there. And uh, we had a basement in Colorado. And you would come in the back door of our house from our garage, and then you'd walk down these stairs to the basement. And then the stairs were pretty steep going down to the basement. And in the stairwell, there was this one light that hung up on the ceiling above the stairs. And if that light went out, I am not tall enough to change the light bulb. So anytime that light would go out, we would just kind of like randomly invite like the Franciscinis over. Because my buddy David Franciscini was like 6'4", and he could reach that light bulb real easy. We're all created for different things. I was not created to change tall light bulbs. But you might have been. Yeah, it wasn't the greatest story. But the point is, we all have different giftings. A friend of mine that I work with, he's 6'8". And I was talking to him the other day. And I said, hey, I'm not 6'8". If we meet in person, don't be surprised at how short I really am. You know, because I work remote on camera. It's like, I'm a foot shorter than you. And I was like, man, I always wished I was 6'8". I always wished. I was like, man, because I had that, you know, like a lot of us who played sports. If I was 6'8", I'd be in the NBA right now. Right? Because like that's how good I was. That if I was actually tall enough, I'd be in. But uh, I was like, man, I, and I, I wish I was this. And then he began to go through. He's like, man... 6'8 might sound great, but riding on a plane at 6'8 is a nightmare. I was like, oh, yeah, I never really thought about that. He says, yeah, walking through doorways, getting in basements, going through crawl spaces, it's a nightmare. I was like, I do all those things really well. I can get in really small spaces. We all have different purposes. We've all been created differently. But God has created us, and he wants to use your gifts and your talents, whatever they are, to further his kingdom on this mission. So don't downplay your abilities and celebrate other people's abilities. Number three, I want you to know that you've been made by God. He says that you are his masterpiece and God doesn't make mistakes. God did not make a mistake when he created you the way that you were created with the gifts, the talents, and the personality that you have. So how do we do this? You start with what you can do today. How do we live on the mission of Jesus? You start. What can I do today to begin this mission? Here's the thing. No one can do everything, but everyone can do something. Some of you, you've been trying to do everything. You need to give yourself a little bit of a break. You weren't called to do everything 
Some of you haven't been doing anything. It's time to just do something. So how do we live on the mission of Jesus? We start with what we can do today. You know, I heard messages like this all growing up. Especially in my younger days, I would have these visions, these grand things that I was like, I'm going to go and do this, and I'm going to start that, and I'm going to do this. And what really happened was I had all these grand visions for the future, but I had no vision for that afternoon. I had no vision for Monday morning. So how do we live on the mission of Jesus? We, we just start with what we can do today. Mother Teresa said this, if you can't feed a hundred people, just feed one. Feed just one. Start with what you can do today. Sometimes we look and we say, I can't feed a hundred people. I can't do that. I don't have, I can't do this. I can't preach. I can't start this. I can't go there. I can't share the gospel. I can't, but you can all do something. Yeah, maybe you can't feed a hundred, but just feed one. Just start. My goal, my, my prayer is for you to have a vision for tomorrow morning. We hear lots of messages that are great about visions for the future. But what's your vision for right here, right now? Start with what you can do today. You can start being on mission today when you're at home and you change the atmosphere. You change the the tone of the household. You can start right here by simply incorporating prayer at the dinner table, incorporating prayer at bedtime. You can start today by serving your family treating your kids differently, treating your spouse differently, treating your neighbors differently. Small steps make big changes. Think about this. Every big change starts with one small step. Every large mission started with one small step. What can you do today? You can invite that family over for dinner. You can invite them out for dessert. You can text that person you haven't talked to. Start with what you can do today. You can do the good things that God has planned for you to do. You can. It's a co-mission. He's going to partner with you. He's going to be on the mission with you. He's going to empower you. He's going to lead you. He's going to comfort you. He's going to guide you. What if we stopped waiting for the big moments to fall into our laps And instead, we started making a difference every single day. Jesus said, here's your mission. Go and make disciples. Baptize them. Teach them. How do you teach someone how to follow Jesus? At one time, Paul wrote, just follow me as I follow Jesus. We make it complicated. We've got to do this. Got to, what if you just said, I could show people how to follow Jesus the way I'm following Jesus. Start with what you can do today. If you close your eyes, let's pray this morning. Heavenly Father, I pray right now, each and every one of us, every six-year-old and 60-year-old in the room would know that you love us that you care for us deeply. We would know that you've given us a mission and we're not going to do it alone. 
You're going to do it with us, and we can start that today. God, I pray that right now in this moment, that each of us would just have a vision for our next right step with you. In your word, it says that you ordain the steps of the righteous, not the giant leaps, but just the steps. So I pray that you would just show us what that next right step is. Maybe it's to forgive someone. Maybe it's to be kind to someone. Whatever it is, Father, we we are open right now. We are open in this moment for your Holy Spirit to come in and show us what our next right step is with you. If you can just keep your eyes closed for a minute, maybe your next right step this morning is to choose to follow Jesus. Here's the thing, Jesus, he loves you so much that he left his throne in heaven and came down to earth. He took on the frail form of a human being. He lived a perfect and sinless life. Then he was beaten and whipped because of our sin. Then he was nailed to a cross because of our sin. He died, but then he rose from the dead and he conquered death. He conquered the grave. He conquered hell so that we could be forgiven of our mistakes and that we could be guaranteed a fresh start so we could spend eternity in heaven with him. Maybe today your next right step is just to say, you know what? I have not been following Jesus. I've put myself in the lead and I've put him in the back seat. And I've been asking him to follow me instead of following him. Maybe you need to choose to follow Jesus for the first time. You need to just ask for forgiveness, repent of your sins, know that you've made mistakes and follow Jesus. Or maybe you say, I've followed Jesus before, but right now I'm not. And I need to make that commitment today. If that's you, I'm just going to pray in a moment. And as I pray, just believe in your heart. Know that if you confess with your mouth that Jesus is Lord, that you can have a fresh start. So if you want to choose to follow Jesus today, just pray this with me. Jesus, I thank you for dying on the cross for me. And I believe that you rose from the dead. Would you forgive me of my sin? Would you make me new? Would you make me whole? And today I choose to follow you. In Jesus' name. Amen.